Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I titled this series, God's Way to Personal Permanent Change. How to finally be the person God created you to be. And I don't know why this made me think of this, but Lacey packs so little. I wish he was here because it's really hard to talk about him when he's not here. And when he's here, I feel like I can just kind of go with it. Ever since we've been married for 22 years, he packs so little. When we go to the coast, he packs like one bathing suit and one or two shirts and a pair of shorts. And that's just it. It doesn't matter if we're there for a week. And so we went to the coast and, and mind you, we don't wash things. And we were supposed to meet him in the lobby. He was going to get a canoe for a storm and a little friend of his and, and Maddie. And so he was carrying these canoes across the parking lot. Of course, it's 101 degrees in the shade. And we opened the door to the lobby from the swimming pool. And I immediately smell something dead. I mean, really dead. Like, not just dead, but long gone dead. And so I just start to say, you know, this is just embarrassing for this condominium group, you know. And I finally see Lacey across the lobby, and I motioned to him, and I said, Lacey, there is something in here dead. And the further, I mean, the closer that he got to me, um, the closer I realized <laughs> this dead animal smell is coming towards me. And he had just bought one of those shirts, this is about five or six years ago, that wicks away moisture, quote, unquote. Where does it wick away to I mean, it's in the material. And I realized, you know, I've seen him in this outfit at the coast down in the humidity for the last, like, three days. And um, I finally had to say, oh, my gosh, and my family still quotes me on this. This is what's so sad is that if he was here, he'd be laughing so hard. My family quotes me on this, that in the middle of the lobby, I said, oh, my gosh, that is the worst smell I have ever smelled in my entire life. Even my nine-year-old, he just turned nine quoting me on this. He's been quoting me on this since he was like, five, you know, but what took even longer was to convince Lacey that it was him. He kept going, I don't feel anything. I was like, Lacey, oh my gosh, I think it's you. Oh my gosh. He said, I don't feel anything. I was like, oh my gosh, it's your shirt. And he's like, I don't think anything's wrong with my shirt. And finally he realized that and he was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go up and shower and change. And that's the same way with us about things that we need to change. You know, there are things that really stink about us and other people usually notice before we do and even after they point it out and we notice it's like what can we do but go shower and change and completely ask God to completely take it away and make us new we can't even change on our own and we all have some things that I would say smell about us things we need to change there's obvious things like if you have a really bad temper, or if you're really moody, or if you're really sarcastic, um, that's maybe obvious. If you have like a secret addiction, if you're kind of depressed, but you only show it in your own household, um, those are more private things. And yet God sees everything. He sees everything that we need to change and everything about us that's not like Jesus really stinks. And we don't want to just leave it like that and go, okay, well, we're just like the rest of the world. Oh, well. 
We want to be able to go, gosh, you know, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to put a clean shirt on because God tells us we can do that, not on our own accord and not by our own strength, or our own might, or our own power, but by his Holy Spirit. I named this the topic of finally to be the person God created you to be. I did that on purpose because it's catchy, and I'm not trying to lie to you, but here on this earth, we're not going to finally be anything, you know? So if you're hearing this and you're thinking, gosh, when am I going to finally be who God created me to be? Don't feel condemned. Don't feel bad because you won't be until you're in heaven. You absolutely won't be. There'll always be something that the Holy Spirit's convicting you of, that the Word is convicting you of through the Holy Spirit, that we need to change in Christ Jesus. And we change and change from glory to glory. There's a quote that says, To travel may be better than to arrive by Robert Louis Stevenson. And I'm not sure about that for a Christian. To travel may be better to arrive. Because I think traveling is really difficult, you know? Here we are, and this really isn't our home, and we're traveling, traveling, traveling until we get to heaven. And until we get to heaven, we aren't going to reach the place that we want to be and that we strive to be. And it's terribly difficult in so many ways. You know, it's like putting on that dirty shirt and going, okay, I really don't want to smell, but I don't know what else to do because I do, you know. And we still tease Lacey about this. He would laugh and laugh and laugh if he was here tonight. It's not any big family secret or any sacred thing. Um, it's just a great example about all of us and how we have things about us that other people can perceive and that we can even finally perceive. But what do we do about it? So is the road really better traveling than arriving? From personal experience, having, having clinically died and, and coming back, I would say that arriving is way better. When I was in the midst of Jesus, there was no pain. There was no fear. There was no confusion. There was no like, oh my gosh, I got to change this about me, or I got to do this tomorrow, or da, 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 da. it was just total peace. And that's what we have to look forward to. But until then, we are on this earth, and we are to be changing from glory to glory. We're not supposed to stay static. We're not supposed to stay the same. And a lot of believers, they kind of feel like what their job is, is to do is to say, yeah, I don't smell anything. No, do you? I don't smell anything. No, I don't smell anything. Do you? No. And then nobody has to change. Nobody has to go shower. Nobody has to change shirts. Do you see what I'm saying? It's just that we need to be able to say to one another, yeah, you know, I'll back you in that. I'll pray for you. If you feel like you've got a bad temper, I'm not going to try to excuse that for you and tell you it's okay, you're Irish or whatever. I'm going to really get behind you and, and pray for the Holy Spirit to change you. We are to change from heaven to be more like heaven. We're to change on earth. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, 
just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.18 We're to be changing from glory to glory. We're supposed to be really different than we were six months ago, even a week ago. The word is to be activated in our life so that we're changing and changing and changing. All of us are. As a matter of fact, what a better testament to other people than to say, I know so-and-so, and so-and-so has changed so much, and so-and-so is over 40, so I know that it's not just because they're going through adolescence. It's because so-and-so is, is really taking in the word and letting the word change. God doesn't want us to sit here and be accused and think, oh, great, you know, I think I am the same person I was six months ago, or I think a year ago I was actually more holy than I am, or I did something today that shows me that I'm not very saintly. It's not about all the things that we do. It's about the track life of our life and how we love Jesus Christ. Obedience comes out of love. I keep trying to tell our nine-year-old that. He's a nine-year-old boy. And just tell me if I'm talking to a wall. But I keep saying, you know, if you really loved us, you would obey us. And finally I said, okay, I believe you love us. I just think you love yourself more. And then God had to say, <clears throat> Kathleen, do you think that your way is better? And I said, oh, no. Uh-uh. But is there any time that you think you love your way more than my way? Because you do your way more than my way sometimes. And I have to go, okay, I stink. <laughs> I have to be real with God. Because God already knows. He already knows everything. God is so good, and he loves us anyway. We can change from glory to glory. And I love the way that 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us how to do it. It says, by the Spirit. So it doesn't say, by your determination, by your will, by attending Sunday school, by coming on Wednesday nights, by learning as many Bible verses as you can. It says, by the Spirit. So we have to go to the Spirit of God in all honesty because we can't even approach God unless we approach Him, the Bible says, in spirit and in truth. And say, God, by your Spirit, I want to change. I want to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ. And He says that He will answer us to do that. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Isn't that a great word? Freedom. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because see, whenever I feel like I can't change, or nothing's going to budge, or everything's the same, or there is no way, or it's impossible, I feel trapped but whenever I think of liberty or freedom, I think of the fact that Jesus paved the way. He is the door. I walk through him. I trust in him. I look at his word. And I ask God with all honesty and with complete rawness, with complete nakedness, if you will, 
you already know everything about me. You already know the things about me that stink. You already know the things that nobody else knows, the obvious sins, the hidden sins, and I want to change from glory to glory. I don't want to just cover stuff until I go to heaven. I want to really metamorphosize to be more and more like you. In Romans 12:2 is one of my favorite scriptures, and it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know, as we're transformed, we prove the will of God. And I just believe that sometimes we think, gosh, when is God's will going to come forth? When is God's will going to come forth? And I'm wondering if sometimes God isn't waiting for us to desire to be transformed. Which part is his and which part is ours? We'll talk about that. God is God and he's so much bigger than us. And he gives us even the desire to desire him. And so we can't really wrap our brains around how much he loves us because he gives us the love to love him. Sometimes we say, well, I don't know why other people don't love God. I love God. And then we have to realize, humility realizes that God gave you the love to love him. God is love. And so what are we supposed to be out in the world but representatives of God's love, representatives of God, not representatives of ourselves, Not more and more and more of us, but less of us and more of him. And so God shows us that we can change from glory to glory, and he gives us this freedom. My mom sent me an email today. It's kind of rare. I'm one of those kind of gushy, sentimental people that can cry pretty easily and laughs really easily. And my mom is really much more stoic and Of course, she's not here tonight, so I'm able to freely discuss this. But she sent me an email and said, you know, this poem fell out of your dad's Bible that you'd written. And I've written so many poems, I didn't even know what she was referencing. But I looked it up on my computer, and it was called A Life Well Spent. And I want to read it to you. I know that God had her send it to me this afternoon by email so that I would share it with you. Because I think that's what all Christians want is a life well spent. And when I say spent, I mean we're all given 24 hours in a day. There are some things that are unequal. Some of us have more resources. Some of us have more finances. Some of us have more influence. That's not equal. But we're all given the same amount of time in a day. How do you spend it? We'll be accountable for that. And sometimes it's actually easier when you're in a struggle, to spend it well than when you're not in a struggle. And I know that because when I was in the hospital, it was so much easier to time my day and to make every minute count and to realize that I could go home with the Lord tomorrow with this chemotherapy and all these 38 blood transfusions. I could go home with him tomorrow. I need to make it count with my neighbors. I just send them notes. And I used to... um, (laughs) have the nurses like deliver scriptures to all of my neighbors and I felt like well they couldn't really deny me because you can't really deny like a bald dying person you know what I mean like I say this will go to 208 this will go to 308 this will go to 408 you have to understand that it's difficult sometimes to look at the bigger picture and go my life needs to count now 
today. If you're going through something hard, praise God. Because at the minimum, it's keeping your focus on Him. It doesn't mean that He's causing it. It doesn't mean that He delights in it. If it's evil, it doesn't mean that He has anything to do with it. But if it's got your eyes on Him, praise God. And through that thing and in that thing, it can change you from glory to glory. This is a little poem called A Life Well Spent. Let not a minute be wasted in worry or fear, for if troubles do come, more grace will appear. Let not an hour go by with an unthankful tongue, since declaring God's goodness keeps you joyful and young. Let not a day be spent following your soul. Instead, give the Holy Spirit all the control. Let not a fraction of time be given to shame, guilt, unforgiveness, judgment, or blame. Not a percent of a moment to unbelief or dread, since for all of these burdens, Jesus died in our stead. Second by second, through every season of the year, desire to follow Jesus into more freedom from fear. And as for sins and transgressions that you do and have done, repentance brings his power to heal as you turn from each one. Spend time in God's word. Jesus will change you every part. If ever feeling judged or condemned, he whispers, only I know your heart. Call on him in difficult times and he will lift you from pain. Placing you above circumstances in his kingdom domain. Don't live with regrets. Instead, believe Romans 8.28 and pray. God will work everything for good, even your very worst day. Live content in the moment. Let peace reign in you and you will continually trust God to take you up, over, and through. Stop striving to achieve your desires through your own strength and will. Instead, delight yourself in the Lord and even the impossible he'll fulfill. Daily to everyone the gospel, good news you need give, not necessarily with words, but how you live, for God is not pleased by verboseness or time under a steeple, but whether you have loved and cared for his people. Let not a minute be wasted. May God's kingdom come. Believe him for a life well spent. To the glory of God's Son. That's not just a nice little poem. That's the cry of my heart. That's the cry of a Christian's heart. When we're not doing the right thing and when we are doing the right thing. You know, sometimes we can come and hear a message like this and feel like, you know, I've really had a pretty good day. I haven't really tripped or fallen or sinned or talked too bad about anybody or messed up or had too much or had too little or done anything that would embarrass God. So therefore, I'm deserving of his love. Negative. We're never deserving of his love. We can never earn it. We're always, always, always to be thankful and humility to the debt that Jesus paid. Our debt. Our debt whether it be relational or financial or emotional, whether it be something that we lack or something that we can't do in and of ourselves, Jesus paid the price for us. 
And we aren't to take on the burden and then say, but I am also a Christian. Either Christ took your burden or he didn't. And so it's good to come tonight and say, you know, God, I've messed up today. I messed up yesterday. I may mess up tomorrow, but I love you and I want my life to count. I want to change from glory to glory. I don't want to spend my time defending myself, going through life saying, I don't smell anything, do you? Nope. No, do you smell anything? Nope. It's certainly in me if I do. And for those of you that just walked in the door, you probably should ask somebody after class what I'm talking about so you don't think that this is some obscene class. But I, I'm pointing out an example that all of us have flesh in us that stinks. And we need to be wanting to change to be more like Jesus. It's so easy as a Christian to look to the person next to you and go, well, you know, I'm not the worst Christian, but I'm not the best Christian either. I'm just kind of right in there average. So I think I'm going to pass. What? Where is that in Scripture? The only way that we pass God's credentials is through Jesus Christ. God looks down at us and he sees God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. He does not see your sin. He does not see your weakness. He does not see your fallibilities. He sees his son's blood. And that is what we are to be thankful for. And that is to be our motivator to be more and more and more like Jesus. Not because we want people to think better of us. Not because we want even people to join our church but because we want people to know Jesus and to know that they can be forgiven, to know that they can change, to know that they can overcome and be overcomers. There's a completely different heart motivation. And yes, I, I did name this purposely as something that can't be done, how to finally be the person God created you to be. Do you really think you're going to be the person God created you to be before you get to heaven? If you do, you are kidding yourself. I have prayed with people who are in their upper 90s who have said, Kathleen, pray with me for forgiveness. And I'm thinking, what could you possibly be doing between here and the cafeteria? And I'm being honest with you. I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm thinking, what, what possible sin could you even think of? What action could you take? You're in a wheelchair. But we all know, we all know our minds are active. <laughs> we all know what we're capable of. And we all would like to run in shame if it not be for the blood of Jesus. See, Jesus gave Lacey new clothes. Lacey didn't back them. Believe me. He got to go get a new shirt. When we went to the beach, I told you how little Lacey packed. Matter of fact, when he packs for storm, I'll say, we're going to be gone for seven days. Why'd you pack two pair of boxers? And then lately, he's been putting more in because he knows that storm sometimes does mess up. And I'm not trying to point at storm. I'm just saying that all of us need that change of clothes, that freshness, that shower, 
we need to know that we don't have to stay in our soiled clothes and have other people go, wow, that is bad. But that we can go to Jesus and say, wash me with your word. Fill me with your spirit. Change me, not because I'm good and not because I have a perfect track record or will have a perfect track record, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He bought me. He restored me. He redeemed me. He will make the crooked path straight. God will. He will make my life a life well spent. And sometimes it's not until we hit the rough roads that he catches our attention. And that's nothing to be embarrassed about. Because, you know, when everything's smooth and easy, why do you need God? I remember Lacey even saying, It took him all the way to law school before he had any reason to pray. And I thought, you are such an enigma. That is strange. I had need need to pray when I was four or five years old, you know. God wanted me early, you know. Instead of thinking, gosh, I've had such a tough life, we need to go, God wanted you early. He got your attention. We recognize our need for God when we realize that we are not sufficient, our funds are not sufficient, our abilities are not sufficient, and our goodness is not sufficient. Christ is sufficient. And then when we recognize that, he can change us, and he changes us from glory to glory, not with shame and accusation and confusion, but with conviction and convincing and with the Holy Spirit to where he shows us, okay, here's the next step. And then God's a heavenly father who's full of love. There is not one good heavenly father on this earth, not one who sets his children up to fail. A good heavenly father doesn't set his children up to fail. He gives them the ability and the affability to do the right thing. God tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that we'll refute every tongue raised up against us, and that no thing that has come against us has come against us, yet God will provide a way out that we can stand up under it. And so even today, you know, when... One of my children says, well, I just really couldn't help it. I, there was no way out. I couldn't help it. I have to say, yeah, you could. And usually when I say that, I realize God's saying back to me, yeah, you could, Kathleen. Yeah, you could. You didn't have to have the last word. You didn't have to throw fit. Not that I throw that many fits. But you know what? There's outside fits and there's inside fits. Some of us are really extroverted in the fact that we show our fits. I remember when Maddie was in kindergarten, um, her teacher said, well, the difference between Maddie and this other girl is that what you see is what you get with Maddie, and what you don't see is what you get with the other girl, but they're still clashing. And I thought, wow. And then I thought, well, I wonder if I should wish for Maddie to be more subtle or if I'm glad that what you see is what you get. You know, sometimes we get so good at hiding things that we can make it seem like we're going along with the rest of the crowd with God and we're changing from glory to glory instead of saying, you know, God, this is really not right. 
I'm really full of fear. I'm really full of anger. I'm really full of bitterness. I'm really full of myself, which is usually our problem, instead of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And only because he loves us. The more and more full of the Spirit that we are, the more peace we have, the more love we have, the more faith we have, and we cannot even come to God, but that yet we have faith, and it's faith that pleases God, it's faith that moves God, and when God moves, you may not know that he's been there, but you'll know when he left. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I look back at my life, and I'm like, God, I didn't even know you were there, but then I'll look at the result and go, but I know. I know you had to be because I know what you did that only you could do. God is good. And he loves us tonight. He doesn't want us to come tonight and go, gosh, I don't know the Bible. And gosh, I'm this age. And gosh, you know, I am so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. He wants us to come to him and say, God, I stink. I know these areas that I stink, and I know there's other areas I stink that I don't know about. And we don't even like the word stink. I remember my mom saying, don't say stink. That's the very C-O-M-M-O-N. And I said, common, but you don't even say common because it's very C-O-M-M-O-N. I thought, wait a minute. She has a point. We're not to look on those things that we were or we are, but to look on Jesus. When we had a little pony, um, when I was a little girl named Nickel, she had these pony blinders, I mean big, this harness that went on her so that when she was pulling us, this, this precious cargo of me and my sisters and sometimes my mom, across the ranch, she could only see that which was straight in front of her so that she couldn't spook and she couldn't get off path. She would just stay straight ahead. And sometimes I wish that I had those blinders, you know, to where I could only see the word because we get so multi-focused. We get so multi-focused. Do you know how many uh, interruptions come into my life just when I'm trying to prepare something to speak on Wednesday nights? How simple is that? I could prepare the word. I've been speaking for 20 years. How hard is it to prepare what God wants me to say? I know Jesus. I can hear him. Do I have things I wish I could change about me? Yes. Do I have things that Jesus is changing about me? Yes. Do I have things I don't want you to know about me? Yes. Do I have things that I wish that weren't? That way about me, yes, but I know I'm God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. You would not believe, though, the interruptions that come into my vision. I'll get a quote for someone. Then I'll look up who that person is, and I'll Google their life. I'll find them on Wikimedia or whatever it's called, and then that'll lead to another quote, which will lead to another site, which will lead to more wisdom, which will lead to my flesh, because my flesh loves wisdom. My flesh loves learning. My flesh loves to read. And then I've read and read and learned and learned, and I'm no better. Because guess what the definition of a fool is? Someone who has acquired knowledge but not applied it. You can have all the knowledge in the world. Seriously, I could quote every scripture in the Bible. But unless 
unless I've really applied God's word to my life, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, go look at it. Look at it tomorrow morning. Look at it tonight. Calls you a fool. Why? Because it doesn't do you any good. It's like having food in the refrigerator and not eating it. It's like having your Bible in your drawer and not opening it. You know? It's like having love in your heart and not showing it. It's just foolish. It doesn't mean anything. So everything can come in my way between preparing tonight. Everything can come in my way between my relationship with God before tonight. How many prayers haven't been answered? How many people look like they're not receiving from God that I've prayed for? And yet Jesus says, you know, turn over to me everything. Everything. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you. So tonight, if there's something or some things that you want to change, realize, first of all, you're not going to be perfect until you get to heaven. So you might as well get rid of that illusion. And secondly, you will change from glory to glory as you let the Spirit of God change you and as you recognize you know what i really do smell in this area this is not right not okay well i smell better than my next door neighbor god doesn't care about that he doesn't care about averages jesus says there's a way and it's narrow well, that's not fair. God never said he was fair. He said he was just and he was righteous. He never said he was fair. But Jesus tells us that he's more than fair in the fact that we get all that Jesus would deserve because Jesus took that all the things that we would deserve. We get eternal life and a relationship with God, which is what Jesus, God's son, deserves having lived a faultless life and jesus received all that we deserve is that fair that's not fair but that's god see god is full of mercy not necessarily fairness but mercy not necessarily fairness but justness and it's hard for our human brains to wrap around. He loves you tonight, right here, right now, right where you are, right where you're thinking, right where you're sitting. Loves you and sees you as God's righteousness in Christ Jesus as you have asked God to be your Lord and Savior. That's our God. That's not fear, that's mercy. And he wants to change us from glory to glory. What's our part? We know God's part is the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord changes us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we are changed from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What is then our part? That's God's part. What's our part? Choose for yourselves this day. Right there. Simple, easy, not tomorrow, not yesterday, this day. 
The book of Joshua says, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Joshua 24:15. Whether the gods which your father served or the gods in whose land you dwell. What does that mean to you right now? We're going to talk about it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day. You know, the book of Lamentations in Lamentations 3.21 says, God's mercies are new every morning. And then I, I think it's so interesting, the book of Joshua says, choose this day. In other words, you can't just make one choice at one time in your life on some mountaintop experience, on some retreat and go, I'm going to just receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then I'm going to be changed, and I'm not going to make any more mistakes, and I'm not going to sin anymore, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone, I'm certainly not going to embarrass God or myself, because I am changed. No, we can't do that because every day we sweat. Every day we need to take a shower. Every day we need to change shirts, whether you're into it or not. Whether you pack enough clothes or not. If you don't, people will start to notice, and you will too. There is a reason that God made us even to need food every day. My son has absolutely no desire to eat. He, eating is optional. He's age nine. He's about, I don't even know how much he weighs. A strong wind could blow him to Mexico. But eating is absolutely optional to play. Now, eating's not optional to most adults. We're like, ooh, I crave a taco, or I crave this, or I crave that. You know, and we know also the importance of good nutrition. It's sad in America that we even have overeating, but then again, that's not something to be ashamed of because that's usually a coping mechanism along with alcoholism, along with drug addiction, along with all the other things that we can name whenever we put anything before God. Anything. I used to put Lacey before God, fill my needs. I'd call him at work, fill my needs, you know? Help me get rid of this pain. Pray with me. Fill my needs. And finally, God had to have a time in my life where it's so dry and so impossible that there was no way that Lacey could in any way fill my needs to finally where I would say, God, you know, fill my needs. We can't put anything before God. Don't have any gods before him. But storm is pretty funny about eating. God made it necessary for us to eat, sleep, wake up in the morning. He made day, day, and night, night for us to be able to determine this is a new day. This is a new place. God's mercies are new every morning. He's forgiven me. I can start over. And then here in the book of Joshua in 24:15, choose this day who you will serve. It doesn't say, okay, choose when you're 15 and a half, and then just let it go. Choose this day. Are you going to serve your own desires? Are you going to serve the world? Are you going to serve your own dreams? Are you gonna, who are you going to serve? And see, the thing about God is when we delight ourselves with him in the book of Psalm, verse 37, it says he gives us the desire of our heart. 
So it's always this amazing fulfillment when we choose to serve him anyway. It's incredible. Blessings overflowing. Choose today who you'll serve. I think it's interesting that Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose for this day who you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served or the gods in whose land you dwell. Choose today who you serve, the gods which your fathers served. Okay, I'm sorry, this was how I was raised. We were not raised to say I love you. We were not raised to express our feelings. We were not raised to tithe. We were not raised to go to church. We were not raised to trust God. We were raised to worry. We were raised to express our sentiment on Christmas and Easter. See, you've got to decide, am I going to follow the gods of my fathers or am I going to follow God? Choose this day who you will serve, it says in the book of Joshua. The gods of your fathers or the gods in whose land you dwell. What are the gods of the land in which we dwell? I would say it's power and prestige and money. Do you serve that? We all are at fault. We can't raise our hands and go, oh, I only serve God. I'm perfect. I've arrived. Because none of us have arrived. But I have to ask myself, do I serve the God of my fathers? Do I serve the God of my generation? Or do I serve the most holy God? Who's the God of our generation? That which is shiny and good and light. That which sounds good. That which is an inclusive thing. The movie stars, the sports stars, the entertainment, the thing that makes me feel good versus truth. Truth is a narrow way. And a narrow way is exclusive. And exclusive never feels good. Because you have to go, wow, what do I have to do to get on that narrow road? Believe in Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. Who will you serve? If you want to change from glory to glory, you will choose to serve God, the most high God, the narrow way. And I wrote here by invitation, not a right away. I know that with a place that my parents have up in the hill country, I don't know the legal terms. I wish I'd called them and asked them, but I didn't. I got too distracted by some kind of a Google search I got on earlier that I tried to describe to you all that I'm, you all think I just make this stuff up. I don't make this stuff up. This is really happening in my life. You know what? Part of us being real with one another makes Jesus real. See, Jesus made God real because he came in human flesh. And people could see God and tabernacle around him. It's like he was there in their midst, finally. It wasn't just a God far off. It was God in the flesh. And who's supposed to be God in the flesh today? Us. But the sad thing is that most Christians are ourselves in the flesh. It's not that we won't go to heaven, that we haven't accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior but we haven't changed from glory to glory, and so most people around us see us, our habits, our bad moods, our hidden sins, our things that we think other people don't smell and they do. You know, what is the smell in this lobby here? You know, just like I was telling you with Lacey at the coast. Oh, my gosh, Lacey, you won't believe it. Something is dead in here. And then as he approached me, oh, my gosh, it is 
Yo! And Lacey still laughs about this. He thinks that's the funniest thing ever. He still has that shirt, by the way. It's such a representation to me, though, of myself. What would I be like if I wasn't washing the Word on a daily basis? What would I be like if I didn't know, choose this day? What would I be like if I didn't know God's mercies were new every morning? What would I be like if I didn't know that I could change from glory to glory to glory to glory? And the most exciting thing about being a Christian is that you don't get certain personality and certain kind of habits and then that's just the way you are and you can just say that's just the way I am and you can't teach an old dog new tricks as a Christian you can change if you want to daily the Holy Spirit changes us the Lord is the narrow way he's not an inherited road he's not a right away what I started to tell you at my parents property up in the hill country is you know, there's like some variances for other people to have the right of way to go through their property to get to their property. And it's like God's not a right of way. He's not an inherited road. You can't say, well, my grandparents were Christians, so I'm in. That doesn't work. It may work with some clubs. It does not work with the most important ones. And he's not a toll road either. And that may be the most important thing you hear tonight. You don't pay and pay and pay and pay and pay. Jesus paid once for you, and it was more than enough. You ask forgiveness in Jesus' name. In Jesus, who experienced all temptation, yet sin not, understands. He understands. He understands. And it's the Spirit of God that will change you. It's the narrow way. The narrow way. Jesus said, I am the narrow way. Let's close tonight in prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. We all want to thank you and praise you. That your word is true. That it never changes. And that you're so clear that you're not a toll road. That you are the narrow road. And that you paid once for all of us, for all of our sins, past, present, and future. You paid for all of us and paved the way for us to follow you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, not self-control, not mind control. Nothing of the flesh, but through the power of your Holy Spirit. Wash us clean with your word, Lord Jesus. Help us to start over. Help us to choose this day to serve you, not the God of our fathers, not the God of this generation, but you. Change us from glory to glory for your glory. In Jesus' name. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. -E -E 
thank you.